Welcome to the Millennial Creator Podcast, the podcast for forward-thinking recruiters that really gets to the bottom of how to create success within the recruitment industry. My name is Ben Shorter, and this is episode one, which is really just an introduction to what the Millennial Recruiter Podcast is about. So what I'm going to talk about is why I started the Millennial Recruiter Podcast, what to expect in the future, and I'm going to give you a little bit of an insight into my journey. If you want to see a bit more about that, you can find me on LinkedIn. My profile is Ben Shorter, which is S-H-O-R-T-E-R. So why did I start the Millennial Recruiter podcast? Ultimately, I love giving value to recruiters. So I've spent the last five years training recruiters all around the world in different marketplaces. And what I love now about the industry is that there's so many different options and way of getting success. I see people that are really good on the phone, spend 10, 15, 20 hours a week on the phone talking to candidates and clients, really understanding them and smashing them. I see other people that spend all of their time on LinkedIn, mapping marketplaces, mapping candidate pools, and everything they send in terms of the messages is really well thought out in terms of how they market themselves. Both of these can create success. In fact, there are so many different ways to be successful within the recruitment industry. Sometimes we get a bit overwhelmed and confused. So what I wanted to do within this podcast is give so many different options from really experienced recruiters about how you can be successful. And when I think about success within the recruitment industry, to me, success is creating fantastic placement between a client and a candidate, whether that's on a contract, whether that's on a permanent basis or an interim basis or a tech basis. Or even nowadays, people are doing more complex solutions like consultancy solutions. Ultimately, what I would like to see is the candidate have a positive experience and the client have a positive experience. And to me, where there are so many different means to achieve success, within this podcast, what I'm going to be doing is interviewing different people about how they got to where they were or what advice they would give to recruiters. So sometimes I might be speaking to a recruitment director, a top performer. I'm certainly gonna speak to a lot of the trainers within the recruitment market who've often been there and been successful themselves. So what this podcast is aimed to do is to really share different ideas and techniques to create success. And for me, success is really seen about in terms of the experience that we provide to people. One of the big sort of driving factors behind starting this podcast is I've really seen almost a difference within the marketplace, how it's become a lot more varied over the last 15 years compared to when I started. It feels for me that when I started, success was almost linear. You worked hard, you hit the phone hard, and if you built the right relationships, you would create success. However, Nowadays, there are so many different ways to create success. I know companies that are really strict on call time measurements and they have a huge success rate. I know companies that don't even track call times and they have a huge success rate. They, they're both creating positive relationships with their clients. They're both creating positive relationships with their candidates. So ultimately, what you're going to find here is lots of different people sharing different opinions. And also, what I'm going to speak to uh, you quite often about is different ancillary methods as well that create success. So sometimes we might be looking at stuff over the phone. But equally, often you'll find me talking to marketeers. I, was, I would say that one of the biggest changes that I've seen within the industry 
is the power of marketing, content marketing, whether that's creating video content, blog content, whether that's how you interact in LinkedIn groups or Facebook groups. So with this, I suppose the three core reasons why I started this podcast is to really sort of add value to a new generation of recruiters, showcase these different options to success. Equally, I'm going to give a voice to those forward-thinking recruiters that create success as well. So I'm going to be interviewing a range of people. Now, sometimes I might interview someone that's been in the industry for 15 years, but other times you'll find me interviewing someone that's been in the industry for a year and a half, two years, and that they've still created success. Because I want to really share not just what worked 10, 15 years ago, but what's really working in the marketplace now. So I'll certainly be giving a voice to really good forward-thinking recruiters or people that I know that work within the recruitment industry. And equally, I want to share lots of stories within this. Sometimes you'll listen to a podcast to be motivated. Sometimes you'll listen to a podcast to have a laugh. Now, one thing that you'll find about the recruitment industry is lots of things happen. And sometimes you want to take it in a a non-serious way. You want to have the opportunity to laugh at yourself, laugh at the mistakes you make, and laugh at the things that you see. I love the recruitment industry. I've gained a lot from it. But equally, I've had some really funny experiences. I hear stories that make me laugh, whether that is how a candidate interacts in an interview or how a client interacts in an interview. I want you to know that there's lots of other people going through exactly the same things as you. Uh, We've all been there. Not everything is rosy. And often the most successful people that you'll find being interviewed on this podcast will share stories of resilience. In terms of what you can expect from this podcast moving forward, I'm going to interview a vast array of people. So ironically, in the time of recording this, I've already interviewed my first 10 guests. So you'll find one of the top trainers in the industry, someone who is in fact so respected as a trainer that they now uh, have created a Facebook group that contains 90% of the recruitment trainers. I I myself uh, participate within that. So you'll get to hear Claire Hammond's experience of what can really create success these days with recruitment. You'll also find me speaking to um, the owner of, I think, the recruitment podcast with the most episodes. He's Shimazus, one of the real sort of forward-thinking, sort of branding experts and marketeers within our industry. Someone that really understands what recruiters can do in terms of their content and their approach to branding that really maximises success. And he will share his experiences of how as a recruiter we started to build his podcast and and why he thinks that is such an important thing that we can all do. But equally looking at leveraging all different forms of content marketing. I also will be speaking to uh, the founder or co-founder of the first ever recruitment company in Europe that specialises in placing people into the legal cannabis marketplace. So you're going to find a real range of podcasts on here. Like I really hope you're entertained by the conversations within the podcasts. I really hope that you gain specific value. So often you'll find me asking questions where I get to really sort of dig deep into to what created a success within recruitment or different tools or techniques that are out there. So you can have a, a step by step. 
with this podcast, what I would love to do is for you to be engaged in it as much as possible. You can message me on LinkedIn, add me on LinkedIn, and let me know what you think. You can give me the harsh realities. You can tell me the questions that you want me to ask people. You can tell me exactly what you want to hear on here. One of the things that I've learned is the more collaboration that happens, the better a product or service can be. And ultimately, this pod- podcast is almost a product, but it's a, it's a free product. It's something that I want out there. But I also want it to be really tangible in terms of the value that it gives. So please make sure you speak to me about it and let me know what I can do to ensure that this podcast is, is a leader. It is forward thinking. That's everything that I want it to be. Because ultimately, I love the recruitment industry. I think that we spend a huge amount of time at work as, a, as an individual. So we want to ensure that the work that we do is aligned to us. It, it makes sense based on who we are. It makes sense based on our skill set and what we're good at and what we enjoy. And ultimately, I think as a recruiter, what we can do is give guidance to individuals to really allow them to find the career that, that works for them the most, that benefits their motivators, whether that is that purely motivated in, in making money or whether that is more sort of flexible work. What we want to do as recruiters is really give candidates an experience where they can really understand what they can do to have success because work is an important thing. And equally as a recruiter, I really believe that this life and soul of a company are the people that work within it, the best hires that you have. So as a recruiter, I never had an issue charging businesses for candidates, whether that's on a contract basis or a permanent basis. And having a profitable desk, because ultimately I feel that for a company, by having the right person in place, it can add more to them. As a business owner myself, I really see the importance of hires. So if I look at uh, teams that, like my personal team, and equally teams that I consult in, the best hires really do make a difference to a business. I can say this, looking through all of my current team members and past members, uh, every person that's worked in my business has made a positive difference within it. Whether that is income that they generated, or whether that is a process that they left. I believe that every person has something they can add add to a business. And ultimately, a business can grow by having the right, right people. It's why I don't have an issue with recruiters charging good margins. But, and there's kind of a big caveat to this. I think to charge a good margin, you need to be great at what you do. You need to add value to both the candidates and your clients. A two-minute screening call isn't enough for a, a client, a, a candidate. Qualifying a job vacancy in five minutes means you probably don't understand enough about either that job or the company's culture that has the job vacancy. And one thing that I'll do, in fact, in the next episode is really go through what I perceive as good, as valuable within the recruitment industry. Because nowadays it's not a case of just picking up the phone and asking clients if they've got any vacancies, finding out what they've got and then putting out a job ad and then asking a candidate questions of, have you done this before, have you done that before? perfect, I'll send your CV. Recruitment has changed so much. And in fact, I really take to heart the consultant part of recruitment. One of the conversations, in fact, uh, I've already recorded with one of my guests, Tom, we really talk about what it means to be a consultant. 
and to really understand as much as possible about your marketplace. So you will notice that I'm really passionate about this and I'm passionate about high value recruitment. And for me, the main thing I'm passionate about is recruitment allowed me to, to have a life that I wanted. It allowed me to, to reach certain goals and to do very sort of random things whether that was due to commission that I earned or whether that was down to things that I learned and found out during the industry, I wouldn't know how to run a business without having had a recruitment desk. Recruitment taught me a lot about managing people. I believe as an industry, there's lots that we can take out from it. So the final thing that I almost wanted to do in this podcast is to share a bit about my journey, about almost what brought me to this point. How did I get from a kid who, who wanted to get into recruitment to training recruiters to building a business? So obviously, as I said before, my name is Ben Shorter. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can see my career history there. I'm quite lucky in a way. My dad is a recruiter. So when I was growing up, I, I did see what he was doing within it. And I remember when I was 17, I had a very expensive hobbies. I liked to DJ, I was a gamer, and to be fair, what I, because I had expensive hobbies, I was always encouraged to do work, uh, whether that was working in warehouses, and I actually started working in engineering when I was 16. And at one point, because I was really good at computer games and on computers a lot, one of my dad's friends, Julian, had a, a recruitment business uh, and he specialised in placing telecoms people into, um, into NATO or into a part of NATO. And he basically needed someone to help him uh, do a database. So he was very referral-led, had a great candidate pool and was expanding his business and effectively wanted to build a database. Because I was quick at typing, uh, I was asked to go in. And obviously, that, when I started that, my initial couple of days were just that. It was effectively building this database. So using bits of SQL, putting things together with our database administrator, and basically uploading CVs. So what I saw in my first three days was like, I had a thousand CVs that I'd uploaded. I had to check to make sure the information passed correctly. And by doing that, it was really weird. Like I was looking at CVs about a job that I didn't really know existed. That sounded a bit cool. And all I could hear Julian doing all day long was being on the phone, talking to different people about this marketplace and sounding really excited. And over the time uh, where Julian's business grew and grew and grew, he started to get me to do more things. So whether that was initially post some job adverts and then started to, to resource candidates. So on and off between like the ages of 60, uh, sorry, 17 and uh, 21. So from 2005, I had been resourcing for, for Julian doing telecoms roles. And equally, I also did bits of engineering work. So it wasn't like I was properly immersed in the industry but I had seen it and I had resourced. And one of the things that I saw was, because I was taught by someone that was really good, when I first started resourcing, I was very much doing the screening side, and then Julian would take over the conversation, really qualify someone into that. And I remember starting to, to do this and to, to really qualify candidates. And I, I like the industry, but what 
I noticed as a 17 year old at that time, was the money involved. So as I got to understand what Julian was doing more and more, we had effectively this contract book for candidates going out and working for us in a couple of these big telecoms contracts. And that, that was generating 40,000 pounds a month. And we were working in an office in Watford. So I know that office rent was about 200 quid, 300 quid at the time. It was something ridiculous compared to what an office is now. So I was thinking, hang on, Julian's making like 300,000 plus a year. And he seems to be really enjoying what he's doing. And that almost stuck with me. And at the time, actually, I, when I was younger, I wanted to go into the army. And then as I got into university, I almost lost myself. I wasn't sure what to do. And I remembered working with Julian. I thought, okay, I want to make money. I'm in a relationship. I want all these things for the future. I want this idea of success. I'm going to go into the recruitment industry. So I started applying for jobs. This was 2009, so the uh, recession was in sort of full mist. Uh, it was going, the, the economy was not in a good shape. And I remember going into the first recruitment agency I went into, saying I want, into, I want a job in recruitment. Like, I've seen my dad do it, I've worked in this agency, I've resourced candidates, I understand what the market's about, I understand that involves selling, I want a job. And they said, no Ben, like, it's a tough marketplace at the moment, Unfortunately, we're only looking for people that have previously worked within the recruitment industry or at least had a sales job where they've cold called people. And I was like, okay. And I thought, I'm just going to go to the next agency and ask them the same. And they gave me the same response. So I remember being 21, wanting to work in the recruitment industry. And at the time, I decided to do door-to-door sales. Probably wasn't the best career choice for me. But I, I still kept looking. I still kept looking. So I then created this list of recruitment agencies, every recruitment agency in Leicester, and approached them one by one until I found a job. And this company, I walked in there while it was raining outside. So I turned up, I was absolutely drenched. And the, the boss, Jim, said to me, go on, Ben, like, we'll interview you. So one of my managers, Kat, is looking for a person. So she's looking for a person to help run some of the big contracts that we've got. Come in and see her. So I had this interview with Kat. I loved it. I really showed my passion. But she said, look, Ben, everyone is concerned in this marketplace. We really want someone with experience. It's a tough market. So unfortunately, we've offered the job to someone else. I got a call from Jim three days later. That person didn't turn up. And if you've been in the recruitment industry, you know this can happen quite often. So he said, look, we're going to give you a chance, Ben. You come across as passion. You, you've been hounding everyone for a job in Leicester. We'll give you a chance. So that company was a company called Quest Employment. And that was where I really started to understand the recruitment industry. So in 2009, I joined Quest Recruitment. And they had 13 branches across the UK. They specialised in warehouse recruitment. So transport, logistics, warehousing. So I placed people that were working in sort of pick and pack companies or Amazon. Um, I equally had a lot of forklift drivers and I remember starting that job and not really understanding what the industry was about. And Christ, it was a great learning experience. And one thing that happened that's very common back then is you were thrown into the deep end. 
I remember my first day, uh, Kat was on holiday, uh, so I had Jim in the office, the area manager, and he said, Ben, this is what you need to do. You need to pick up their phone, say, hi, my name's Ben, calling from Quest. Each one of the people you're calling is a candidate, and you need to find out if they're available to work this week. You need to find out a bit about what they can do. There's that list, go. And that was what the recruitment industry was like. And you know what? I loved it. And it was weird. Like, so when I started at that branch, we were 13th out, no, we were 11th out of 13th. When I left in 2011, we'd come to third. So me and Kat, when I joined, the actual branch itself was generating maybe 10, maybe 15K a month. The biggest month I had there was, I think, 40 something. The biggest quarter I had was, I never hit 100K quarter and I was gutted over that. But I did have a quarter where I hit 96. I think it's just the thing, I was really lucky. I had some great people around me and my manager, Catherine Packwood, Kat, really, really showed me what good recruitment was about. She showed me about the relationship building. She told me how important it was to really get to understand everyone, understand clients' motivators, understand a bit about them. Understand your marketplace, be curious, ask lots of questions. And with candidates, particularly in the industrial marketplace, like I say this quite openly, some candidates in industrial marketplaces are treated horribly. And what I've noticed as a recruiter is the lower paid someone is, the worse someone can treat them. And it's something I, I really am passionate about ensuring that we don't create that stuff. So what I started to do with my candidate pools was Really like get to know them, make sure everyone was paid on time. I remember once I got a call on a Saturday morning and it was one of my older candidates and said, Ben, I've not been paid. And he sent me through a, a message uh, with his bank details and stuff. I was quite lucky. I, I had access to, I, well, I live very close to the office, so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm in the town centre at the moment, I'm going to go and check. And it turned out that it gave the wrong bank details. But the reality is he had also done a really tough week's work. So I was lucky that I worked for a business where by Tuesday I could ensure that candidate had money into bank account. Doing industrial recruitment, I saw lots of crazy things, whether it was lots of candidates not showing up or clients had turned away candidates. But it showed me that by building positive relationships within this marketplace, there's lots of opportunities. I don't actually need to be a bad person to be good at this if I sell value. So I remember like Quest taught me like the real foundations of recruitment. And then after leaving Quest, it, it was weird. Like I thought, okay, I'm going to go to London. I'm going to smash IT recruitment because there's a lot more money in it in terms of commission structures. The, with things like uh, in different marketplaces, there's always going to be different opportunities. So I was excited by this idea of working, having done industrial, having done it for I think two and a half years, I was excited about looking into other marketplaces. And if I'm really being honest, looking back, I made a bit of a mistake. Like Quest was a great place to work and I had a real sort of good potential career in, in there. So I left there and went to try different marketplaces. So I worked in an IT recruitment agency. Um, I'll be honest, it wasn't always the best experience. So at first I was someone that was looking at an NHS desk. But I did have quite a good manager and she said to me, look, Ben, I, you've resourced some good candidates for me. Go out there, build your own desk. 
pick what you do. So I started working in infrastructure-based roles, and that was where I really started to see the power of like good BD. So at first, I, I didn't make placement straight away, but I think things came together in like my eighth or ninth month. And I think I built about 27 grand in one month and then 30 the month after. And that was because of all these calls that I made, suddenly interviews fall into place. However, one of the things that disappointed me about that particular place is, I suppose, a lack of training. So from 2011 to, to 2013, I worked for a couple of different companies and I, I had some success, particularly doing the IT recruitment stuff. But equally, I was kind of, I saw a lot of gaps. So when I made like commission and roles, what I did was really start to invest in my own personal development. And that kind of, that's what found me into sort of training. So both at Quest and then at other companies that I work for, I managed, I've got the opportunity to sort of, well, when I say manage, I've got the opportunity to look after or mentor people coming up. I started to really enjoy that. And when I was in IT recruitment, particularly after I started billing, I got my resource. So my first ever resource was Aaron, who I, I, I love. And I remember he's, it was, he was 17 at the time as well. And I wanted to, to give him this chance. And... I really started to gain this passion for sort of training and to be fair as well, I've read all these motivational books. I was always wanting to do my own business and I thought, you know what, I've read this Tony Robbins book. I'm going to go and be the world's biggest speaker. So in 2013, me and one of my friends, Simone, set up this business called uh, GTEx and we had these plans to almost be these like big motivational speakers and, and go and change the world. Because in some ways, like, while my first job had been really good, like, for Quest, uh, what I would say is my first real job, the second two, they didn't go as good as they could have. And some of that was myself, some of it was a lack of training, and I think some of it was just not really understanding what culture that I wanted to be in and what would make the best of me. And I was very sort of entrepreneurial. It's something that Quest like, really flourished within me was this entrepreneurial spirit. I remember at one point they, they took me into this big Royal Mail meeting and I was 22. And Jim on the way there said, oh, Ben, this is one of the biggest accounts in the recruitment industry. It's a very important meeting. Unfortunately, I'm not involved day today. I don't really know what's going on with it. <laughs> Where was you one of the biggest Royal Mail contracts? So in fact, uh, you're going to be taking over all of the meeting. I'm just going to sit and, and agree with you. And I love that. Whereas I hadn't necessarily got that in my next two worlds. So I started my own thing. And it was weird, like starting your own thing at a young age, you've got all this enthusiasm. I didn't realize how difficult it would be. So it was weird, like as we started this business, then started running motivational events, I realized what I missed about the recruitment industry. and at one point, when the business wasn't necessarily going how we expected it, I started to look for other roles. And it was through speaking to one of my friends that I knew that recruitment as an industry had really started to, to get back up. Uh, it was 2000, the end of 2014. So the industry was in a massive growth period. Things were competitive. So what the bigger companies were doing were, were investing in training. And my friend said, you could do this, Ben. You spent the last year absolutely came in training. And before that, you spent like four years just being like working 80 hours a week in the recruitment industry. I'm sure you've got a lot to give them. 
And it was really funny, like within the Deco group, I had an interview with a, a woman called Natalie. And she said, Ben, you're, you're a bit different to other people that we've come across. You, you're not this professional home trainer, but we're going to give you a shot at this. So we've had some trainers that, like, I think, unfortunately for Deco at the time, they, they had a couple of really solid trainers. And then suddenly a couple of left to do their own thing. And there was one left in the business who was a superstar. But unfortunately, there was no one else really delivering training. So they hired a couple of people. And unfortunately, those people didn't, didn't work at all. And it almost uh, lost some of the credibility within the training. So at first, Natalie was like, Ben, you, you need to really learn, the uh, really learn the business, really understand what all the different brands want. And they threw me into... Like, my first month was really watching training, but I was eager to get in. I said, look, let me do some stuff. And I remember on um, one of the training sessions, the academy, uh, I was watching the session. So I wasn't allowed to deliver training at the time, but I was allowed to coach. And I remember working with this guy, Dan. I'll never forget this. We started talking about spec candidates. And then literally me and him, I spent a good like 30 minutes role playing Speckle and I was loving it and he was loving it. And it was his feedback in a way that really pushed the deco to utilize me. So I started doing more training, getting involved in different brands more and more. And so over the two years, I think I trained probably about 1500 recruiters and I saw a lot of successful people. I also saw people that weren't successful and I sometimes notice the reasons why which again is a big motivator for this. So then from 2014, I've literally been engrossed in training many different recruits. So Deco is very much classroom training. I would deliver four training sessions a week. I might have like a three-day course. It was often lots of one-day courses. So in the course of a week, I might see 40 different people. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to necessarily like follow up from the training and, and do coaching. So after leaving the deco, and ironically, well, I never told the deco this. I told them that the business wasn't working, just as, as I mentioned before. What I didn't tell the deco is I kind of remained a shareholder in that business and a silent part, well, a not so silent partner. And ultimately, that business has started to do really well. So in 2016, I left the deco group and really started my own thing. But what the deco group did was really inspire me in terms of recruitment. Because if you think about it, I had this really positive experience with Quest and then suddenly a couple of experiences that weren't too positive. And then I went to the Adeco and had probably the most like, positive, I, as a recruitment trainer, obviously the things that are well, always going to be up and down in the job. The Adeco group left me really engaged in the industry, really engaged in training. So since 2016, positioned myself back into the business, GTEx, which was now doing better. And kind of fast forward over the last four years, I've spent a lot of time training different recruiters. And with the clients that I work with now, because a deco is just classroom and no follow-up, what I've been doing over the last four years was more training and coaching put together for businesses. And I think one of the clients that I'm going to mention, because again, I've had a, a very positive experience with them, is Virtual Human Resources. So a couple of years ago, Virtual Human Resources contacted me 
they were looking for someone to do some training for them. So they had some extremely, extremely high performing individuals in their sales team. So they separated it and had the sales function and the delivery team function. So effectively a resource function. And they wanted to train their delivery team. And it was a short term contract. They wanted to see how it works and then maybe invest in, in terms of building an ongoing training relationship. So I, I've been working with VHR since um, 2017, I think. So, and in that time, we started off looking at the delivery team, but over, over time that evolved and what they wanted to do was create the 360 Recruitment Academy. So they had this idea that they could get someone from resourcing to being a high-performing consultant within three years. It was weird, like, before, I was used to companies thinking about things in a really short-term way. We want to get someone from like no experience to their first placement in a month or two months or three months. And look, if you go on my LinkedIn, you'll probably see some arguments that I've had with people over this. VHR said, we want the best. Like Ben, you, you look at our sales team, you're not looking at, you're looking at a team of 14 people and four of which are around a million pound a year mark in terms of their GP. Um, we're not looking for a load of 70, 80, 90 grand billers. We're, for us, good is a quarter of a million pound biller on a contract desk or doing a mixture of contracts and plan. We want you to create that, but each we're going to give you, or we want a process where we can get people in from scratch to having not just a, a desk, and a quarter of a million pound desk, but their own desk. So this is not them being handed accounts. This is creating people to go out there and win business from scratch. And honestly, I've loved that the project that I had with them. And that almost gave me some of my real life case studies over the last couple of years. And, and one of which is going to be, uh, it's an interview that I've done recently, in fact, Alex Perez will be coming up on, on here to almost talk about what, what he's done over that time to, to build a really sustainable deck. So that, Alex went from being a resourcer in his first um, financial year of being a consultant, he, he did double his target. Um, and <laughs> now he hits somewhere between sort of 10 and 20K every month. So, he, and all of his businesses, new business, he's onboarded, I think, nine, 10 new clients across like a 15 month period. And ultimately, some of the things that I'll explore really linked to that is how can someone new to the industry build a profitable desk and build it in a way that fits their characteristics. And one thing I'm going to caveat is not everyone is built to be a recruiter or a salesperson. Recruitment is really tough. And that's something I'm certainly going to explore on these shows. Now, ultimately, the reason that I love working with VHR and I enjoy that is understanding that things do take time. One thing that I sometimes loathe about the industry is the fact that sometimes people are giving less time in than they could. Like I remember once at a big agency within the ADECO group, we were really looking at performance. And one of the things that we found out, which was a bit random, was in one of the brands, sometimes the person that build quickest over a two year period performed the least. Whereas the person that build between sort of months six and eight 
there were often people after two years that performed really well. And I think that's a, a, something for any agency owners to bear in mind is really thinking about, okay, how long can we give someone to create the right behaviors? Because if you think about it, sometimes winning a one-off client is a different behavior than winning a big contract. Right? Particularly like whether you're doing perm recruitment, contract recruitment, interim recruitment. I think what, what you want as a consultant is, again, depending on your marketplace, you can build a, a really profitable desk on anywhere between sort of five and 15 clients. And when I say really profitable desk, my kind of benchmark is a quarter of a million pound a year. That's where I see recruitment is really kick ass. But I'll also caveat with this, right? I know enough of like people working from their bedrooms, making a hundred grand a year working for themselves with a phone and a laptop. So don't also be dismayed by big numbers. And when you really think about how a recruiter bills, look at the REC's average. So the, the average billings for a recruiter uh, around, I think, 90K a year for a perm recruiter and then 130 for a temple contract. So if, if you're doing more than that, you're doing above average. If you're doing less than that, then there's probably a reason why, whether that is your time commitment to the industry or whether you might need some training and development. I hope this has kind of given you a bit of an insight into, into my journey, because it is a bit of a random one. So starting as a bit of an administrator, ad hoc resource for a really high performing uh, person, Julian, to industrial, to IT recruitment, to the uh, deco group and the training I got there. And nowadays, where I am now is I love, so I'm quite lucky, I've got multiple uh, multiple things that I do and one of which is working with equipment agencies to really like support them to maximize their learning and development function so understanding what training coaching and mentoring they can offer and not only provide an engaging workplace but create results like I'm really passionate on creating results and equally because of my love for the recruitment industry like I'm now getting involved in in their sort of uh, board of really small niche recruitment agencies. So at the moment, I, I work with uh, a recruitment agency that specializes in eczema recruitment, so placing uh, people that have uh, formerly served in one of the forces, whether that's the uh, Army, Navy, Air Force. And with these guys, we place them into different civilian roles. And for eczema, I train their, their staff and equally I look at some of their sort of big contract users within their marketplaces, particularly sort of telecoms. And for me, I'm really passionate about the industry. Like I see the rest of my career being within the recruitment industry. There's no other marketplace that I really want to work. I see my time as being spent, not just in terms of training recruiters, but I would really love to be seen, particularly over like the next 10, 15 years, is that recruitment leader, someone that inspires recruiters to do the right thing. And I love business and managing businesses. So moving forward, what I really love doing is either training recruitment companies, but being involved in different agencies that I've either invested in or that um, I work for on a, a regular basis in terms of supporting them and their businesses to grow. Guys, this has been episode one of the Millennial Recruiter podcast. I hope it's given you an insight in terms of 
why this podcast exists. And equally, it's given you a bit of an insight about myself and where I come from. What I'm going to do in episode 10 is really talk about what I believe is being good in recruitment. So what does good look like? What is good recruitment? And how do you then create success within the recruitment industry? My name has been Ben Shorter. This is the Millennial Recruiter Podcast. Please make sure you follow us on Apple or whatever way you listen to this podcast on Spotify. And equally, you can find me on LinkedIn. I I love engaging with people. So you can send me messages, ask me questions. Let me know what I can do better in this show. Thank you so much for listening and have an amazing day.